Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Gentlemen, dads, we are so, so honored this week to have uh, a guy that I met recently online. Some guys I know were talking to him, some really high-level dudes, and they're like, this guy's awesome. And I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And I checked out his Facebook feed a little bit, and I'm like, wow, he's got some cool stuff. Next thing you know, it turns into a much bigger story than I even realized at that time. Everybody, I want you to meet uh, a man who's got a counseling degree, a pastor. He's got a book written, which is, I've read a book called The Mind of Christ. He's got a, a really cool website called Desire Jesus, where he's got a whole bunch of his own podcasts on there. Also has a future book coming out with Penguin House. I'm like, holy cow, blown away, major thing. It's called uh, Dwell on These Things. Is that right? That's correct. All right. All right. So we're we're on, and I'll, I'll do my best to get your last name correct, since most people don't get mine correct either. John Stangi. You nailed it. You got it right. Great job. <laughs> well, that was the podcast, folks. I just wanted to see if that... I could do that with pressure. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, John, man. I'm so excited to have you with us. I uh, love your background and just love everything that I've gotten to know about you up till now. And having listened to a number of your podcasts already, right before you clicked on, I was listening to another one, just getting in tune and getting in sync and vibe with you. So thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. And then taking kind of your specialty and then pouring into the Christian dad things that you've learned and helping us become better dads, fathers, and uh, you know, sharing that with others is, is kind of our mission. So awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So I, before we started, we talked about kind of what you'd like to share with some guys and I'm like, boom, that's a perfect topic. I've got some of my own. However, let's go with that one. So sure. what type of things, when you think of being a Christian dad, do you think of, and, and what's a good thing to share with our, with our audience? So my wife and I have been blessed with four kids. Our kids at this point are ages 20, 18, 16, and 14. So I always wondered what it was going to be like when they were all teenagers at the same time. The oldest just graduated now to the 20s. So, you know, 75% of them are teenagers at the same time. Uh, those of you that are looking forward to that day, let me just uh, affirm to your heart that it is difficult. <laughs> it's fun, <laughs> but it's not easy. You know, every, every uh, season of parenting has its challenges, but there's a variety of things that I I try to keep in mind when I'm just being a dad. Simple things like just making sure I'm carving out time for the kids. We've got all sorts of routines, you know, things that, that we enforce, ways in which uh, I discipline, how I differentiate between irresponsibility and direct defiance. And then the big thing that we were talking about even before uh, we, we started the show here today is the fact that one of the, the big concerns that I have as a father is that I want to model the message of the gospel to my kids in all contexts. So I want to model that in the way I speak to them, in the way that I spend time with them, in the way I try to lead them. I want to give them a glimpse of the heart of Christ in how their dad treats them and how he interacts with them. And so so that's what I'm trying to do. You know, if they there's a, a, a time for mercy, there's a time for discipline, there's a time to just show just such undeserved favor and undeserved grace 
these are all things that as a recipient of, of them from Christ, I'm trying to be mindful to show them to my children and then also show myself grace and mercy when I feel like maybe I, I don't do it quite perfectly, <laughs> which is always, <laughs> right? <laughs> so so, so, so got, even a guy like at, you occasionally yeah. has some lapses, huh? Yeah, occasionally every day. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was talking to a guy last week and he says, you know, can you think of a time? I'm like, you mean like 15 minutes ago? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mike, I got one that's really vivid for some reason. Right. <laughs> oh, I, I love that. So kind of modeling Christ for your kids. So in order to do that, obviously, you've got to get to know Christ, huh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, walk with him, invest in that relationship, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer. You know, surround myself as well with people that are godly influences on me. And uh, that that definitely is helpful as I'm trying to invest in the lives of the children that the Lord's blessed my wife and I with. That's a nugget right there is having people around you. That's one thing I'm actively trying to do is keep my core group of people that I hang out right. with pretty tight. I got blessed and got to see a guy. He was a uh, major, major dude in the mafia. And oh, he's boy. the only guy that was able to leave and live. So he publicly left and he's still alive today and he goes out and does his thing. One of his messages was, if I learned anything in my life, it's who you hang with. Yeah. I'm like, wow. And he's, he's a Christ follower now. So he, he flipped that's his awesome. life over and that's a big, big, big one. Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. You want to be selective about who you allow to influence you from the the things that you read, from the things that you listen to, from the people that you spend time with, from the people that you allow your heart to admire. You want to make sure that the people that you're giving a spot of influence in your life are going to steer you in the right direction and reinforce the things that Christ teaches in his word. For the guys that are listening right now, they're like, okay, but I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. Like I'm over here and Christ is over here. And we're, you know, we, we kind of meet sometimes and then we separate a bit. Any advice on how to, to bridge that gap for the guys? I think a helpful thing would be to kind of observe the pattern that Christ has in, for instance, like the Gospel of Luke. Right now on Wednesday evenings, I've been going through the Gospel of Luke with my church family, and we've been studying it. And it's fascinating to see how Christ was willing to interact with all kinds of people and how he made himself available to all kinds of people. I think sometimes it's helpful to read something like that because it reassures our heart that Christ desires to have fellowship with us, that he desires to have a relationship with us. If somebody feels distant from the Lord, it may be that they're convinced that Christ doesn't want to spend time with them, or they don't feel like the Lord desires to welcome them into his presence or something along those lines. And when you look at the examples that Jesus gives us in, in Scripture, we could see that he, you know, right now it's, we're celebrating the Christmas season, right? We're celebrating the fact that Christ came to this earth and uh, chose to interact with humanity. He didn't hold himself off at a distance from us. He came to us. And I think sometimes it maybe is a little bit difficult for, for some of us to think that Christ would actively want to do that. But even when you look at something like Philippians chapter 2, in Philippians 2 it talks about the fact that Christ humbly came to this earth and took the form of a servant because he wanted to serve us. And so he wasn't trying to hold himself off at a distance from us. He took on flesh, became one of us, you know, walked this earth as a man, and did so so that he could serve us, so that, so that ultimately we could have a close, abiding, deep fellowship with him. 
And so I think those things are taught all throughout Scripture, and I think it's helpful for us to reinforce those truths to our minds and, and to our hearts, but it could be that that would be a message that a guy needs to start preaching to his heart if he feels like he's distant from Christ. It's not Christ creating that distance. It's the man. You know, Christ has come to us and offers himself to us and invites us to come to know him and to fellowship with him. And uh, we're, we're given the opportunity to do that, and it's worth seizing that opportunity for sure. Yeah, when you, when you say that, it's funny that my way to solve that problem back when I needed to solve that problem, and still sometimes daily, I feel like, you know, hey, I've pulled away a little bit in whatever reason, but uh, I did aff an affirmation. So really, really simple. I am worthy, and I applied it to different areas of life, but every day I, I just said out loud with emotion and conviction, I am worthy of God's love. It's helpful to to remind yourself of things that are true. And I, I think a, a great list, you know, if people wanted a list of things that they could start preaching to their hearts, you find that in Ephesians chapter one, where it just goes through a whole bunch of things that are true of us in Christ. And it just lists them over and over. The fact that we that through faith in Christ we are adopted into the family of God, that we are seen as holy and blameless in his sight. You know, just that we are loved, that we are blessed, that we have an inheritance in his kingdom that cannot be taken from us. These are the type of things that we should be preaching to our hearts. These are the type of things that our mind should be dwelling on. And uh, it's kind of neat when you get to a chapter like Ephesians 1, because it just lists a whole bunch of them out there for us and uh, puts them all in a very condensed spot where you just look at them all in one spot or many of them right there in one spot. I love that. I love like the Beatitudes and just things where you get, mm -hmm. it's all right there. I just need this one paragraph for a while. Right. Yeah. You could dwell on that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And leading into your next book, dwell on that. Well, uh, yeah. Dwell on these <laughs> things. I know it's, well, we we got to be preaching the gospel to our own hearts. It, it's funny. I I think to so I'm a pastor. I've been a pastor for 23 years, and I spent a lot of time teaching and preaching for years. You know, there are people that are part of our church family that have heard me preach. But as many years as I have been preaching to them, you know, really when you analyze a typical week, let's say I have the opportunity to preach or teach to them for an hour, maybe two hours, right, in in a given week. That's nothing compared to how much time they have the opportunity to preach to themselves. There's no one that's going to be able to preach to you more than you can preach to yourself. And so when I wrote uh, I have, the book that I have coming out, it's coming out in May. It's called Dwell on These Things. It's really a book about preaching the right things to your heart, making that a pattern of your life so that you start talking to yourself or preaching the gospel to yourself in the same way that the Lord's speaking to you. You know, when you look at what God says to you, you want to make sure that the message that you're preaching to your own heart lines up with what God actually is saying. Because so often people start preaching a false gospel to their heart where they say, I'm unloved, or I am unwelcomed, or because I'm not perfect yet, you know, the Lord certainly doesn't want me anywhere near him. And then you look at what Scripture actually says, and it says, no, you are deeply loved, and Christ demonstrated that to you. You are welcomed into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. You're holy and blameless in his sight. That's how he sees you, because the righteousness of Christ was added to your account the moment you trust in him. And so, you know, those are things that we should be preaching to our heart. We shouldn't be preaching a false gospel. We should be preaching the real gospel. And as we preach that, then our mind can start dwelling on that. You know, we can think about that. And it definitely has an impact on, 
just our own perspective. It has an impact on how we treat our wife. It has a, an impact on how we treat our children. You know, if we're preaching the right thing to ourselves, we're going to be in a spot where we're operating from a healthier perspective, and that's going to impact how we treat them. But it's also going to impact the message we, we communicate to them. You know, if I'm preaching something unhealthy to my heart, that's going to come up in my conversations with my wife, and it's ultimately going to result in me preaching something unhealthy to her. Uh, if I'm preaching something unhealthy to my heart, I'm going to that's going to come out in how I interact with my children. And I'm going to end up speaking things to them that are unhelpful and unwise and ungodly. So I've got to be preaching the, the truth to my heart so that I could be communicating the truth to them. And I think it has a huge impact on the culture of our households. If our household is a gospel-saturated culture, it makes a huge difference. Mm, that's fantastic. I've got this CD in my car, and I forgot that it was in the CD player. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that, that CD's in there. Let me let me hit the thing. And it's a, a group of people just saying prayers. Oh, yeah? My daughter was in the back, and she, my youngest daughter, and she was just getting a little anxious. Hmm. And I, I said, honey, I, I get it. Sometimes I feel that way as well, and I feel that anxiety and stuff. And you know what I do? Sometimes I just pray. And sometimes mm -hmm. I pray prayers like these. Matter of fact, I was praying before we jumped in and, you know, the prayers are on. I'm just going to pray. I started praying and going along with what was on the CD. And all of a sudden she starts praying, totally calms down. Anxiety's gone. And <laughs> we go to her soccer game and we leave and CD's still on. She's like, Hey daddy, can we listen to music now? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> She's like, said, you made oh, yeah, the point, course. dad. Let's listen to, let's listen to some music. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was great. And I'm like, how funny that a, uh, she just turned seven, seven year old fell right in line and just went right along with it and didn't fight me where That's great. maybe if I used any other type communication, <laughs> maybe we would have continued to feel that strife and anxiety and everything. Have you, have you got an example um, lately or from when your kids were younger or whenever of something that came up, either a thought or an action where, where you can share a story like that? Uh, one of the things that stands out in my mind or my kid's childhood, where I really felt like I had a unique opportunity to, to communicate the heart of the gospel to one of my sons in particular, happened after he got in trouble. He, I, and I don't distinctly remember what he did. None of us remembers that what he actually did. Uh, he was still pretty young. And we differentiate how we disciplined our children based on irresponsibility or defiance. So some people, you know, think that physical punishment like spanking is is uh, never appropriate. I, I fall into the camp of I think it's appropriate for young children in instances of direct defiance, but not appropriate for irresponsibility. So we always just saved that for and, and so it rarely had to be used. But when it was used, it was serious. And he had defied either me or his, his mother in, in some way. And I, I don't recall. So this was, this was you know, in our, in our uh, context here, a spankable offense. And I brought him into the room and I said, all right, you understand that what you did was the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. And you knew the right thing to do and you did the wrong thing anyway. You defied us and you understand what comes next, right? And he said, yeah. He was very matter of fact. He, he understood. And I said, so you, you know that I have to spank now, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, all right, well, get ready because here it comes. And he kind of 
you know, tensed up and, and got ready. And I was wearing shorts. And I remember I took my hand and I slapped myself, not him. I took his spank for him. I, I, I spanked my leg and I did it way harder than I ever would have spanked him. <laughs> but I wanted it to leave a mark on my leg that he would see. And I wanted him to see, you know, like a like a red handprint. And I just kind of kept him nearby in that moment. And I said, and he was shocked. He's like, what happened? And I said, well, I, I said the punishment required a spank, right? And you agreed. And he said, yeah, I did. And I said, okay, well, I took it for you. I took your punishment for you. And you could see, you know, at that point, the mark on my leg and he heard the sound and he knew, and he could tell that I had spanked my leg way harder than I had ever spanked him. And then I segued the conversation into the fact that, you understand that that Christ has done that for us, that, that that's exactly what Jesus did for us. When he came to this earth, he came to people who deserved punishment, and the punishment that our sin deserved was death. And that's what Scripture tells us. We deserve death. And so what did Christ come to, to do? What did he do? He, he came, and, and ultimately he was tortured and, and died on the cross. He died in our place and then rose from the grave. He defeated the power of death, and now he shares that victory with us if we trust in him. He's taken our punishment upon himself and he's secured our victory and that victory can become ours. And I said, so, you know, I hope that you'll remember this moment uh, as something that that is a, a useful reminder of what Christ has actually done for us. We deserve punishment. So he took it upon himself so that we could receive his mercy, so that we could receive his grace. And he, that's he one was, of the stories that stands out in my mind. He from was his pretty childhood. young, it sounds like, when that happened. Yeah, he was pretty young. Yeah, he's probably maybe about four years old, somewhere he, in that range. Does he have a memory of that at all? He does. Oh, yeah, he remembers it. Yeah, it stayed in his mind. That's awesome. I know mm -hmm. sometimes you can recreate the memory by reminding. Oh, right. Yeah. But no, this one stuck with him. It did. Yeah, it stuck with him. Yeah. I was just, I, that seems like something that would stick with me or a child or, you know, like mm -hmm. that. That was, hey, you didn't do what I expected you to do. That was different. That, right. that was a screwball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You threw me a curve, dad. The, uh, and then they also feel compassion too, in the sense that they're like, wow, you know, I goofed up and now dad's the one with a, a sore spot on his leg, you know, and, you know, just trying to teach them to have uh, a more sensitive heart to the consequences of their actions. But, but yeah, I, I always want to, and even still, even though, so that son is 18 now, you know, he's, he's a freshman in college at this point. But even still, you know, one of one of my desires, my big desires to communicate the heart of the gospel to them in in all sorts of things. You know, I mean, there are things there are moments even now where, you know, obviously and it, it can be much elevated as they get older, where decisions they make have much more consequence than the things that they decided when they were in single digits. Yeah. And even still, it's a great opportunity for teaching, for instruction, for showing grace, for showing mercy, for demonstrating unconditional love. We It seems like we never run out of opportunities to demonstrate those things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you got any advice for, I wasn't expecting us to go here, but with your counseling background, say, say the, the not that he continued to be defiant, but mm -hmm. say a four-year-old or five-year-old or seven-year-old like continued to be that defiant child that mm -hmm. kind of felt like they were the one that ruled the roost and they would act up and then get the result they wanted, even though they maybe have been disciplined or routinely didn't get the result they wanted, but they feel like they can play that card and eventually mm -hmm. get what they want. Eventually you've probably experienced parents or 
whoever in your life. So you probably have a, a bunch of experience. What, what tips would you have for that situation? Two things come immediately to mind. Well, maybe I should say three. The first is pray for that child because the Lord needs to soften that child's heart, right? So start there. And then two additional things that I that I would add to that. First of all, be consistent in your discipline and always follow through if you say you're going to do something. Don't be one of those people that that make vain threats to your children all the time and then you don't follow through. That's not helpful. You're basically teaching them not to trust you if you do that sort of thing. And then one of the things that I would explain to my children, and I would demonstrate this with consequences over time, is that trust equals freedom. And I would tell them, it's like the older you get, the more freedom you're going to want, the more independence you're going to want. You're not going to want me to you know, be watching you 24 seven. You're going to want to be able to, you know, get in your car and go someplace and, and hang out with your friends and, and, and do sorts of, you know, like all sorts of things where I'm not directly present to be the, the, you know, the one overseeing every aspect of your life. And if you want that kind of freedom, then what you need to be doing in the meantime is demonstrating that I can trust you. If I cannot trust you, then you won't have that freedom. And it's as simple as that. But if I can trust your siblings, they will. So you'll get to watch them enjoy that freedom and you won't have it. And we <laughs> followed through on that. You know, a few years ago, one of our children really was making a series of very bad decisions that I thought, OK, you know, if this is something that becomes this child's pattern, you know, later in life, this is not going to play out very well. And it, the Lord convinced me that I needed to take a very hard stance with this one particular child during that season. And so they basically lost. I, you know, I, I had a heart to heart with them and I, I said, OK, here's the deal. You essentially lose all your freedom at this point now. You know, and this was uh, this was age 15. And I, I said, you lose all your freedom. Like you, you have no freedom. You cannot hang out with your friends. You don't have a cell phone. The only thing you can do is you can come home. You can go to school. And you can go to work. And uh, all, all my kids have, have uh, had jobs from age 14 on. And so I, I said, but that's it. You can't do anything else. And it's going to be for a very long time. And it went for months. And I, and I said, don't ask me for a, your phone. Don't ask me to go anywhere. It's, this is that bad that I will follow through on it. And I want it to be an example to your siblings, too. And so let, let's go. This is the next however many months of your life until I feel like I can trust you again. And even at that point, I, I had the other siblings come together, the other three at one point. We just spent time praying for this uh, rebellious child, you know, with tears. And we just lifted this child up to the Lord and said, Lord, you know, please intervene here. And I, you know, and we reinforced all that. And I have to tell you, on the other side, we were really pleased with what we saw. But it was it was months of the lack of freedom. And, you know, but we kept emphasizing, listen, trust equals freedom. So you, you have the opportunity to earn that trust back, but we're not going to pretend that we trust the decisions you're making when it seems like you're going to take your life in a rebellious direction. That just doesn't that just doesn't jive with what we teach and what we want to do here. And so, so yeah, we followed that on through. my side. I, I had tear picturing that episode. Like if I was watching a movie, I'm like tears came to my eyes just hmm. picturing that scene. Was the 15 year old part of the prayer or no. was the 15 year old separate? It was during a time when the 15-year-old was separate, and I wanted the other siblings prepared for the hammer I was about to drop on this child. I said, you know, we need to be praying for your sibling here. And so they prayed. My wife prayed. I prayed. It was emotional, and the household was ready for what I was about to do, but they also understood why I was doing it. 
And I also wanted them to be aware. This was a cautionary moment for them too. It's like, and just so you know, I love you enough that I'm going to do this for you if you take your life in a bad direction. I'm not going to let you. You're going to have to fight me if, you know, to be able to do it. And I would remind them, also, I will win. <laughs> you, you, like, you, you can fight me if you want, but I hold all the cards here and I will win. And, um, and so I am not letting you. I am not letting you as much as I can. I'm going to prevent you from taking your life in a direction that does not honor Christ while you're under my leadership. I'm out. What you, I'm what leaving. you do outside of that, I can't Dad, control. I'm leaving. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It's like you have nowhere to go, so have fun. <laughs> <laughs> so, but they, but they understood. And they also knew that it wasn't, it wasn't some, it what this was not out of the blue, you know? And it, and this is also in a context of, you know, I'm, I'm a father who goes out of his way to demonstrate to these children. I love you guys, you know, I, and they see the sacrifice, they see the time I'm, I'm available to them. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody that just shows up when it's time to correct or chastise or discipline. But they also know that when I, I discipline in a matter like that, it's it's a demonstration of love. It's not a demonstration of, of retribution or a, an act where I don't love them. It's it's demonstration that I love them enough that I'm going to intervene as best as I can in their life and, and try and point them in the right direction. That's a fantastic example of leading your family. So I think a lot of guys aren't sure what to do, so they fall into inactivity. Mm. And it's like, just take an action, do something, maybe hit up your people in your life that you can hit up and ask for help and pray and those things, but do something. And, and I'll have to say that child repented, you know, the, I, the Lord worked in that child's heart and we all saw a noticeable difference after that. It was a, it was a very it, like interesting line in the sand in, uh, in that child's life. You know, it was a good testimony to the power of prayer too, because, you know, we could see that the Lord the Lord was doing something there. I'm and, certain you um, had a history of leadership and the whole family was probably understanding there was something wrong. Oh yeah. Looking to you for now, what are you going to do? Do something dad. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if we're not, if we're not the captain of the ship and we're not leading mm -hmm. chaos, absolute chaos. And then in this case that it sounds like that 15 year old could have gone a, really, really wrong direction. I was convinced that that was a possibility. You know, a I had a very unsettled moment. feeling that this was a season of life where those lines needed to be drawn. And my wife and I were seeing things that gave us great concern. And we thought we, we have to intervene in a very, very serious way now before this turns into the type of thing that you're like, uh-oh, you know, what's happened here. And also, and I hope this would encourage fathers, and maybe they've heard this other places too. Sometimes I've heard it said, you're not really a dad until your child tells you that they've hated you at least once, you know? <laughs> so it's okay. I They come around when they're older, so I'm told. <laughs> and uh, I'm already starting to see this, but I, I would say, you know, once your children hit to be, you know, hit, hit the age of like 25, I, I suspect they'll start coming around and saying, hey, sorry for all the grief that I put you through you know, it, it's somewhere along the way, don't be afraid for your child to be hated. I remember once saying to one of my kids, I said, you know what? I did not grow up into an adult man so that I could be bossed around by a teenager. My, my, <laughs> my vision of my adult life was not taking orders from a 13 year old or a 14 year old. It's like, that's not happening. <laughs> and so, and, and I remember saying to one of my sons in particular, you know, when you're a dad, I sure hope that you don't take orders from your kids because that's not the order of how this goes. 
And uh, they're like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and that's great too, because they're going to run into the same situation when they're, they when sure they're... will. And they're going to remember those, those moments, I bet, <laughs> and maybe even chuckle. Yeah, that's fantastic. So us dads, we can be a great example or a very poor example and our kids right. are going to learn from it either way. Yep. Yeah, Have you absolutely. got any advice for uh, just parenting in general? It sounds like you've got some great philosophies that are well thought through and obviously seen through counseling, many things, through being a pastor, many things, and then leading a family of four. There's a few things that are really important. You you want your house to be the type of place that your kids are happy to come to, right? And that the, they want to be at. You want to have a I was stable... just talking to Chris Highfield today, and he said exactly that thing this morning. Did he? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I agree then. It, I mean, you want your home to be the type of place that's like a refuge in the sense that Christ is modeled there, the gospel is modeled there, and you want to be on the same page with your wife. So if you're going to, if you have something you have to work out or disagree about, do so privately. Don't, you know, divide your opinions in front of the kids, you know, do that privately, work on those things and then support one another. If, you know, one of the kids does something that's defiant toward my wife, I always tell the kids, listen, I don't even care if mom's wrong. I'm always on her side, no matter what. If it comes down to me picking her or you, I pick her. She is wiser than you. She has lived more life than you. She, You guys give her a hard time sometimes. I trust her first, you second. Now, I say that comically, but it is true. True. <laughs> and they know that, like, I'm, I'm being a wise guy when I say those things, but I really mean it. Like, like she gets the default. I, I default to her. She's right. And even if she's wrong, she's right. <laughs> Not literally, but you, you see what I'm saying. Like, they know that it's going to be v Im near impossible to convince dad to do anything but hold up the alliance that he has with mom. So they they know mom and I are a team and there's there's no I mean, because kids will try to divide and conquer. Right. Even even little ones, you know, they mm -hmm. they'll try and tell they'll tell you one thing and then tell mom the other thing. And and then before you know it, you and mom are debating something and you're like, wait a second, they're trying to divide us. This is a plan. This is a plot. You know, so stay united with your wife and work together. If you're going to disagree about something, do it privately uh, so that that's not in front of the kids. And then when in front of the kids uh, be a united front. Uh, one of the most helpful things that you could do for your children is love your wife and invest in that in that relationship. My kids. So now, you know, they're older, they're teenagers and the oldest is 20. And uh, they have gotten to a spot where they have actually told me that they really appreciate the fact that I take good care of their mother. <laughs> they, they see that now. They notice that. And uh, I take my wife out to dinner every Friday night. We have a, a date night on Friday nights. Our kids are old enough that we don't have to worry about babysitters now or anything like that. So that part's cool. It's a lot easier than when they were little. When they were little, it was very hard to orchestrate date nights. We would, um, I'd, I'd usually have, uh, when we lived near family, my mother would come up on Wednesday nights and she would watch the kids for a few hours so that my wife and I could have a date night. Um, now, many years later here, we're the way we do it is Friday night, we'll go out. And I remember um, just a couple of weeks ago, one of my sons saying to me, my 16 year old son said, he said, dad, I really love seeing that. I love that you take mom out every Friday night. She always looks forward to it. And you guys always seem to come back just kind of, you know, almost just playful. You know, it's like a, like a, you guys are joking with each other. It's obviously been a fun time. And uh, I love seeing how happy it seems to make both of you. And I like the fact that it's setting an example for them because when they're married, they're going to remember the fact that it apparently a healthy married couple has a date night. You know, they're going to remember that mom and dad did this and that's what's going to be normalized for them. 
So I think that that's a huge thing. I think keeping your marriage healthy is super helpful when you're trying to parent your children because, you know, you need each other. You got to help each other out. Absolutely. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. Yeah, God, spouse, kids. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's right. So that's a huge tip right there. What's a, I'm just curious, a routine Friday night, date night, go out to dinner. What did that that look look like like back then or what's it look like now? Yeah. So my wife and I are not complicated people. We don't need a whole lot to entertain us. We have found that we're both kind of creatures of habit. So our our Friday night, we go to a place called the Sycamore Grill. Uh, It's just a couple miles from our house. We've discovered it's a restaurant that we really like the food. Um, Mm -hmm. and we like the atmosphere there and we've gotten to know some of the servers. And so we get a meal there at the Sycamore Grill and it's in a nice walkable spot nearby where the downtown is just has a lot of sidewalks and a lot of shops and things. And so after we eat, if the weather's nice, we'll just take a walk through the downtown. And then after we're done walking, um, you know, it's a it's a little while after we've eaten. There's an ice cream place on the other side. <laughs> this is of, my kind of day of the, of yeah the, of downtown. And so we'll go and we'll get some ice cream there. But now the weather's been getting too cold for that part of the routine, so we've recently amended it, and uh, we'll go to uh, a coffee place after we eat. And we'll actually get the coffee and then come back to the car and we'll sit in the car and we'll listen to something either entertaining or useful or informative together. So we'll, we'll just kind of queue up a podcast and we'll sit and, and, and sip coffee and um, listen to a podcast together and then come home a little bit later. You know, and it's just it's just relaxing. It's just the two of us. We would hang out in a coffee shop if we had one locally nearby that that was that right. gave us the opportunity to do that stuff is still we're in Pennsylvania and I, apparently same, the goal in Pennsylvania here is in to, St. Louis. Yep. Yeah. Well, apparently they're just going to keep the world shut down forever because, you know, apparently if my wife and I had coffee together in that, that shop, we might die on the spot. So maybe we, uh, maybe. yeah, maybe <laughs> that's what I'm told. I don't know. That's so we just get the coffee and we hang out in the car for now, but that's the point is, you know, regardless of what we're doing, we don't need something complicated the idea is that we just hang out together and it invites conversation and we daydream together. We talk about some of our goals. One of our goals right now, one of our big goals, we're in the home stretch of paying off our mortgage. And so that tends to factor into our conversations a lot. It's like, all right, how many more weeks? How many more months? It's like, we're almost there, you know? So we're about 11 weeks away from having it paid off. So, Oh my goodness. Uh, That's much bigger than paying a car off. It really is. Yeah. We, and so, <laughs> I've just noticed that we talk a lot about that, like, okay, what are we going to do, you know, once we get the house paid off? And so it's really just daydream time, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the kids, we'll talk about what's going on and just, just whatever, you know, I mean, and, and we try and keep the conversation more fun than anything. A few weeks ago, my wife brought up something related to my work as a pastor. And I had to admit to her, I said, you know what? I need a mental break from having to think about that because that's actually stressing me out. And so we'll save that conversation for a non-date night conversation. I need tonight to just be light. And she's like, you know what? You're right. I, let's not talk about work stuff. So we just had a night where we were like, yeah, we if we felt like talking about it, fine, we'll talk about it. But apart from that, let's not talk about any of that. Let's just talk about fun things. And so that that's was helpful. Right. Yeah. But that's what a date night looks like for us pretty simple, but we, we look forward to it every Friday night. We do that. We usually, usually around six 30 Friday nights. That's, that's what we do. That's awesome. Drinks yeah. are ready already on your table. 
<laughs> That's wonderful. Well, I know uh, you've got your book coming out. Yeah. So you want to talk about both books or what would you like to talk about? Because I've, I've read The Mind of Christ. Fantastic book. Really cool. Love, love the way you describe things and the, the different ways it's chopped up. It's an easy read, easy to implement. You can dwell on it and, right. uh, you know, really, yeah, that- really enjoy it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that you you read that. And that's a book, by the way, uh, that that's only available one place. That's available at my website, and it's free. If people want it, it's free. They could download it free at desirejesus.com. Once a year, I try and uh, produce something that I can just give away for free right there on the website. And that was that's uh, what I put together for 2020 here. And uh, so the book, The Mind of Christ, that'll be free there for a little while. If people if people want it, they can just download it. Again, it's desirejesus.com. And they'll see it right there uh, on the page. 54 or so pages long, I think. Yeah, it's a brief book. It's not yeah, it's not yeah. like it won't take you forever to read. It's a, it's a shorter book. Sometimes um, people get afraid of... Well, no, right. I'm they think, oh, I don't know. It's like book. an encyclopedia. Yeah. <laughs> now, Four pages. That's an easy read, guys. Right. The big thing, and we were talking about this earlier, the big thing that I have coming up on May 25th of, of 2021, I have, I, I was really excited. I, I was offered a book deal with Penguin Random House this past year. And I wrote a book. It's that book is 224 pages, so it's a little bit longer. But it's called "Dwell on These Things." And again, it's just about preaching the message of the gospel to your heart and allowing your mind to dwell on it. And that book, if people want to order it, it's available for pre-sale. So it's not going to it's not going to come to your to your door until the end of May if you pre-order it now. But I, I'm actually going to do something kind of fun. Um, if somebody pre-orders it so that I'll tell you where to pre-order, you can pretty much get it anywhere. You get it Target, you get it on Walmart, you get it Barnes and Noble, Amazon. It's available on any one of their websites. If you want to check out, I actually think christianbook.com is the lowest price what I'm seeing right now uh, for the pre-sale. But if they go to my website, they could just go to a specific page, desirejesus.com slash dwell on these things. So desirejesus.com slash dwell on these things. And if they pre-order it, I'll give them a, a digital copy of two of my other books for free right away. All they have to do is just screenshot their receipt, send me an email. My email is john at desirejesus.com. And then I'll I'll send you two other books for free just as a thank you for pre-ordering it. That'll make me look good to the publisher. So you're really doing me a huge favor if you pre-order the book before it's in stores. You could also wait till it's in stores if the topic interests you. But if you pre-order it, I'll, I'll actually give you two other books for free, digital copies of of uh, two of my other books, just as a thank you for making me look good to the publisher. <laughs> yeah, if they see pre-orders yeah. are good, maybe they'll give me another shot to write for them, right? You know, it was a pretty big honor to be able to write with Penguin Random House this past year. And I I thought, wow, all right. So now I need I need those that like this content to do me a favor <laughs> and uh, and definitely sign up to, to pre-order it. And like I said, if they screenshot me their receipt to john at desirejesus.com, I'll give them two other books for free. That'd be awesome. I'll definitely order one today. Cool. Yeah. For, for sure. So you just sold one. Awesome. All right. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> I was floored when my buddy sent me a note and he says, oh, he has next book. I said, oh, I didn't know about this. And he says, Penguin Random House. I'm like, whoa, that's huge. That is a big, big deal. Believe me, I'm pinching myself too. I when when they offered me that that opportunity, I I was so grateful, and I thought, Lord, you've been so good to me. You know, just to have the opportunity to have such a big enterprise backing my next thing, you can't help but be a bit reflective and and just amazed at the journey that the Lord has you on. 
And Elliot, you've got daily kind of little devotionals on your podcast part of your website. I do. Yeah, I have three podcasts. Uh, one is uh, Daily Devotions with Pastor John, and so I, I share a, a brief, it's usually about a four-minute episode, yes. and so you know people can access that wherever they get their podcasts. They could also find it on my website. And I have uh, the Chapter a Day Audio Bible. That's almost at four million downloads. Isn't that like that? That cracks me up. I, I checked the other day. By the end of this month, that's going to cross its four millionth download. That podcast alone. Wow. And the cool thing about that one, it's a daily reading of scripture. And there are places in this world where it's not even legal to own a copy of the Bible, but people are downloading that podcast and listening to it. So I feel like a rebel. I feel like a renegade. You know, getting the Bible to places in the world that that uh, I guess these oppressive governments haven't thought to ban podcasts yet. That's <laughs> so we'll get, we'll get the Bible there one way or another. And then I have another podcast, Sermons, Bible Studies, and Training. And yep. people listen to sermon content. I just started adding uh, interview content to that as well. So I may be changing the title slightly, uh, but it's, you know, people could listen to sermons. They could listen to training. Uh, I was shocked up, we'll today. I, I jumped there and I see you just interviewed my good buddy, John Rulin. You know, John? Oh, Very yeah. Well, yeah. John's a good buddy of mine. And man, he's got a great giftology business and all that. So, oh, yeah. He, I love to promote him. It was a fun interview. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. He's just, uh, I love what he's about and how his message comes across. So, it was really, really cool to see you two intersect as well. So, funny, funny how that works. Well, I, I appreciate you so, so much. Again, desirejesus.com is where everybody can connect with you. And, Thank you so much. Dan, I really appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much for what you're doing to try to encourage and help and, and serve fathers. Uh, dads, we need the encouragement. So thanks for, for putting this content out there for people. And I, I hope it's truly a blessing to your, to your listeners. Thanks for, for having a heart for that. Absolutely. I'm buying your book and the rest of us are too. Have a great day. God awesome. bless you, John. Thanks, Dan. You bet. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light. Shine that light out and let others see it. With you guys, part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself, be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. I hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others. Join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others. Have your buddies join. Have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith, grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, Thanks for blessing all of us, and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.